Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome, listeners, to the Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode. Today, I'm joined once again by a lady from California and the United States of America, a lady by the name of Dr. Leonie Matteson. Dr. Leonie, very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me this morning, Paul. How are you doing on the other side of the world? <laughs> We're doing good, thanks. We're doing good. Thank you. And um, we, we decided we'd have a, uh, a conversation around trauma but we're going to do this with a little bit of a twist leone aren't we because how what we're going to do here is you're going to actually uh be uh asking me some questions rather than the other way around <laughs> and i'm so thrilled about that because i'm so excited about wanting to learn more from the male's perspective i've had some speculations and some conversations and i've observed quite a bit but I feel very honored this morning to be able to really talk to, to you and to learn more from you. Thank you. So, well, I'm in your hands, Dr. Leone. Let's, um, let's begin the dance and take me where you want to take me. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, the first thing I want to know, so talk to us about who is Paul Lowe. Who is Paul Lowe? Great question. Great question. Um, I can come at that from many angles, but I think to keep it in the context of trauma, somebody that grew up with, from a very, very early age, witnessing extreme violence, cruelty, abuse, neglect, and an experience in that at the hands of my stepfather. And then within no time at all, actually that turned to you know that that just that became a downward spiral of 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 evilness and um and everything that went with that so i i became drink dependent at a very early age i learned to survive through violence at a very early age and when i say a very early age dr Luna, i'm talking from 8 9 10 years 10 years old so that was in my formative years, that set the the scene then for me to, well, as I've already said, survive. And the drink was a, to a certain degree, a crutch. It numbed the pain, but it couldn't numb the emotional pain. And I needed a crutch, an external crutch, to, to help me to get through. And uh, I put all my beliefs or my emotion or my focus. I mean, none of this. I didn't know what I was doing. I did, you know, I was a child. I wasn't able to rationalize or intellectualize any of this. It was just ambling from one raw survival situation to another. But I gave all my focus and all my attention to a football club, um, believing fervently that one day I would play for that football club. And that was, you know, for me, a reason to live. 
Um, it was a very crude, basic uh, reason, um, but it kept me alive, um, but almost didn't because at the age of 13 and a half, such was my attachment to this football club that when they lost two back-to-back -back games at the end of March 1974, I literally couldn't cope because my belief system that I'd created was one that... Well, my response to those back-to-back -back defeats were, how can you betray me? How can you do this to me? I give you everything. I give everything to you. I believe in you so much. Um, which was, you know, it was it was a nonsense because this was a, a professional football club. They didn't even they didn't even know who I was, and but that was the that was me giving my power away. So I think there's a very very powerful lesson for us to learn there, Doctor Leone, in terms of you know claiming our power back, and that's something that I've done managed to do over the years. Wow. Thanks for sharing that story. And it, it really lends me to the question of asking, uh, were you involved in the violence or were you impacted by the violence? Barry, talk to us about that when you, when you said you've experienced trauma. Can I share a little bit more about what that looked like? What that looked like from the initially was me being a victim of that violence and then the other side of that, my mother would step in to try and protect me. And then she would also get the beatings and, you know, the the cruelty, the abuse, the, tor the torture. Uh, and torture is a very strong word, isn't it? But it's an appropriate word in this context because the mind games, the psychological stuff that went off um, is, is beyond, you know, it's, these are the actions of somebody, in my humble opinion, that are, that's evil. And I mean evil. And that is a very, very strong statement to make. But it's one that, um, I mean, I don't give it any kind of undue power or attention these days. I merely state it as, and say it with passion, because it's part of my truth. It doesn't define who I am. It's got no control over me. But I speak the truth about that, that evil nature, those evil acts, both to myself and, and to my mother, to my late mother. Mm-hmm. And, and thanks for thanks for that um, clarity. Um, I I totally agree with you in terms of yeah. There are some strong words that I think I don't know if I want to say to soothe ourselves, but to really help us to understand what we've experienced, we really have to go there and use the the words that best describes our emotions and our feelings. And yes, it is our truth. And it is the truth because when you think about, you know, um, I talk about this in my book about that emotional torture. You know, I talk about even sometimes even looking at others who are going through some of what we've experienced, we can immediately sense and see the torture and the torment, you know, that they're, that they're experiencing. So I, I, don't, I don't believe that torture is the wrong word. It is what best describes how, how we're feeling and what we've encountered. So thanks for that. Uh, I wanted to also learn a little bit. You talk about giving your power away. And you share the example of the, the soccer, the club that you were involved in. Would you agree uh, with me when I say that so many of us give our power away 
whether it's we get lost in a relationship and we give our power away to that individual, we give our power away on the job, we give our power away even to our very children. <laughs> Sometimes we give our power away. So would you agree that there's so many different ways in which we willingly give or, or is it that we are unconscious? We're not conscious of the fact that we're doing it. So talk to me about what it looks like when we know we're giving our power away and what are some things that are steps that you would advise women or men to take to be able to reclaim their power? It's a great question, Dr. Leone. I like that. Thank you. And the answer to that for me lies in in the A word, awareness. Uh, and it's interesting now you use the unconscious or the conscious approach of do we really know what we're doing here? Um, because there's there's an old saying, isn't there? We you know we don't know what we don't know. So um, you know that that I suppose I think ignorance is too strong a context a word to use. Um, and they often say that ignorance is bliss. Uh, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is ignorance. And I think that's part of our responsibility on this planet is to learn. But, you know, we're on a steep learning curve, all of us, if we choose to be. And, you know, for me, one of the uh, the strategies that I've learned over the years, Dr. Leon, is not to be on, too hard on myself because look, nobody knows everything. We're all learning all the time. Um, no matter what the context is. And so, you know, to come back to your question about, you know, how do we approach this? It is, as I say, a question of awareness. And then we, through that awareness, we can make that conscious decision. Now, if we choose to give that power away consciously, then I think we've lost the, I don't know if right is is, is the correct word, but we've lost the right then to kind of, uh, you know, playing a little bit of that devil's advocate here, moan or complain or criticize when things go wrong because, well, okay, you knew what you was doing. Um, you know, you knew you was doing, um, I'll speak about the UK speed limit. You know you was doing 100 miles an hour on the UK motorway when it's 70 miles an hour. You, you took that conscious decision because you was in a hurry. You got caught. It went against you. So now you paid the price. Um, so I think it is literally a question of awareness and then making an informed decision about, OK, what's um, I hasten to use the word risk, but what's the risk involved here? You know, I'm giving all my focus, attention to my partner, to my children, to the job, whatever it is. Fine. I think we leave ourselves wide open there, um, because if stroke when it falls apart for whatever reason, we invariably get caught in that statement, I gave you everything. It's that sense of betrayal again, isn't it? Whereas I think if we maintain that truth to ourselves at all times, and I'm not saying it's easy, but having that focus and that awareness that in my life, I come first. And not in a selfish, egotistical way, but it's that air, airplane um strategy isn't it when they're doing the briefing before the plane takes off put your own oxygen mask on first because without that you're no good to anybody else so i don't know if that answers your question no that's really right on point with where i wanted to go and that's a really uh clear and detailed um response 
Because one of the things that I, as you were speaking, that kind of jumped out at me is that we give our power away when we hold on to, you know, hold on to beliefs and systems and processes that oftentimes originate from other people's thoughts, what they've taught us. And it might have been, I would say, appropriate for then doesn't mean that it's appropriate now. And I wondered at times if it's because we don't sit long enough to think, and I talk about that in my book as well, to think, to reflect, to process before we make decisions that ends up giving our power away. You know, uh, I love what, um, I, I love Neil Donald Walsh. Are you familiar with his work, um, Neil Donald Walsh? And one of the quotes that I admire, he says, stop giving your power away and begin to trust that your feelings, in fact, are in fact expressions of the deepest truth. When we're giving our power away, there's something deep down inside of us that holds true to what we're giving up. Would you agree with that with that statement? Yes, I would, Dr. Leone. And I take it a stage further in terms of why do we give our power away? Um, and this was based on my own experience in, and then researching it and sp- speaking to so many people, countless people thereafter. We give it away because there's an underlying sense of deservedness there. Oh, you know, why should I keep this? It's Whereas I think when we've got that self-worth, that self-love, that self-respect, we realise what an asset this is, what we are. And, to, you know, we don't give that power away lightly then, whether that's to our children, our partner, our, our family, whoever it is, we don't. Because it's all enveloped in that self-love and that self-respect. So I think, you know, there's... There's this massive, massive power in understanding the power of us, the power of you. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I, I also give my power away in those moments when I was seeking approval, in those moments when I felt unworthy, in those moments where I wanted someone else to validate me. I gave power away because I didn't believe in my power. We give our power away or we don't understand the, the power of it, right? We don't understand the essence of our power, right? We give it away. We give our power away when we're not connected to our higher self. We give our power away. We give our power away oftentimes when I was fatigued and frustrated and I was giving up. I gave my power away in giving up, thinking that I would have earned the courage to gain it back. And oftentimes we have to work to get it back. And that's the punishing side of giving your power away. You have to earn it back, which makes no sense to me at all, right? And we give our power away when we don't believe in the truth of what we're feeling, when we don't believe in the truth of what we're seeing. So we try to tell ourselves a lie and then we give our power away. And so I want to know, what are some ways, what are some steps that we can take? So the first one you talk about is awareness, to be aware. But when you say awareness, let's talk to the man or woman, that listener who has no idea what we're talking about. How would you describe awareness? What does that look like? Becoming aware. Let's swap the word for a simple word then, experience. And let's put a more pleasant 
hat on that word experience and say, okay, ask yourself, do you want a, a life of pain or do you want a life of purpose and prosperity? And I'd put it down to choices. I'd put it down to choices and create that polarized because when we we're starting to go into the into the uh, the power of the mind now, this amazingly powerful but binary tool that we've got called a mind, and it's for me it's about what language do we tell our mind? And I'll use a metaphor on that, uh, Doctor Leone. I think it's fair to say, and I certainly did for decades, the biggest part of my life thought that my mind controlled me. Well, I didn't think, and that, that was that was the challenge. I didn't think at all. You know, if my mind reacted to something that fueled my emotions, then I reacted on that and regretted it later. Part of taking that power back is understanding, and this, this metaphor of a dog and its tail, that the tail does not wag the dog. So what do I mean by that? When I say to people, does your little finger control your life? No. Does your right knee control your life? No. Does your left foot control your life? No. Who controls your life? I do. Okay. So let's go to all the parts of the body and, you know, we kind of spend a, a little bit of time, you know, going into this, going into that. What about the mind? Does the mind control who you are? And it's interesting on that, Dr. Leone, you get mixed answers between yes and no. Now, for me, it's a categoric no, massively a categoric no. That is the tail on the dog. So me within more having wiser experiences, taking the learning, if you will, and actually being very aware that I'm going to try and reduce pain as much in my life as I can because I am sick to the back teeth of pain, pain, pain and suffering. I've had enough. So whatever lessons I can take going forward will be powerful and, and I won't get it right every time and that's absolutely fine. So that awareness, I suppose, in the context, you know, if we can um, strip it away from a, a spiritual connotation, although it is obviously very, uh, um, very tightly tied in that direction, is, is experience. You know, is that lever to get you away from pain strong? Yes or no? And I create these literally these polarized day or night black and white situations of do you want pain? Yes or no? Closed questions. Ask yourself. And um, they're very powerful levers. And, and we can do this to ourselves because the mind will once once that mind knows that it's it's not the dog anymore and it's become the tail, it will follow instructions. It takes a little bit of training, like dogs do, but it will follow instructions. But that's been part of the, the breakthrough for me over the years as well, Dr. Leone, to understand that my mind is a very valuable part of me, but it isn't me. Mm. Mm. It's a part of you, but it isn't you. And you know, Paul, that's a really strong statement because as you were talking about taking back the power and asking ourselves those deep and meaningful questions about, you know, do I want to live in pain? Don't want to live in prosperity and purpose. Here's the thing. 
for a lot of folks who have gone through trauma, we know pain, we know poverty. Remember, we, I talk about those old systems, those old processes, those old, that's what we know. So from, if, you, if you, oftentimes when I'm in conversations with trauma survivors or the victims, and I'm speaking the purpose and the prosperity, it's almost like a poison. Because they're so stuck thinking that it's okay to, to carry this pain, to hold on to the pain, because it's comfortable. I don't know why it's comfortable, but to them, it's almost like yesterday I was explaining to someone, I said, you know, when I was 270 pounds, the reason why I allowed myself to continue to gain the weight, I felt safe. I felt the weight was actually there for me more than the individuals who I was loving, who wasn't loving me. My weight was always there. And the more I fed my body, the more heavier I became. And I felt like I was hiding me inside of the weight, if that makes sense. So me, I felt the safety, the comfort in being overweight. Whenever I would lose the weight, I felt vulnerable. But I didn't realize that was my power was coming back to me. I didn't realize that. I just felt very vulnerable. I felt like, oh my God, somebody's going to see me and find me attractive. And that's wrong because in my old system, in my old upbringing, I was taught if you look pretty, it's a sin. It's almost like a sin to be attractive. Those words were never used when I was growing up. Attractive, sexy, those are, those are sinful words, right? And so we punish ourselves under somebody else's old regime, their old system. So yes, some people, if you ask the question, would you rather to live you know, in pain than, than to be pursuing your purpose and prosperity? It's sad to say this. But a lot of trauma survivors and victims and even folks who have not gone through the severity of trauma that you and I have probably, probably encountered would say a silent yes, because that's what they know. But isn't that where the love and compassion comes in, Dr. Leone, from, dare I say, people like you and I that, that have trodden that, that dark, tortuous path? come out the other side, took the, the learning from it, as painful as it may have been, and just to, to inspire, to uplift, to compassionately say to, to people that, um, that are suffering, to say, there is another way. There is another way. It doesn't have to be this dark all the time. And I hear you. I hear you 100. I did that for decades, exactly what you were saying. You know, that significance of that drink addiction, that, you know, that alcohol addiction, that violence, the significance that that gave me because it, it, met, it met one of my needs, that need for significance. You know, when I was drinking, because isn't it true we can meet our needs in positive or negative ways but when i was drinking you know I, I developed that addictive behavior because drink gave me certainty because it gave me i knew i'd be out in the in the pub for nine o'clock in the morning and i knew i'd drink myself senseless day after day after week after month um until i, I basically there was nothing left till i was literally um, on a park bench or in the gutter and I'd, I'd thrown everything away whether it was a job a relationship 
whatever. Um, and that was a regular pattern. Um, so there's this whole thing about beliefs. And, and you mentioned it there about, you know, the conditioning of our beliefs about what we're told. Mine started from early childhood. You, boy, you are nothing. You, nobody will ever love you. You're pathetic. You're useless. You're scum. Now, you, you tell that to, to most people and it's going to have an impact. Tell it to a young child, it's devastating. You know, that's etched. And that was etched on my memories. And that's when I learnt the coping mechanism, relatively, of, of drink itself. So it was a kind of a dual-edged a dual sword, but also the violence. Okay, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to win at all costs. And that was a very conscious decision I took at, at an early age. It got me in a lot of trouble. But that met my, and you know, that met so many needs because it gave me that need for certainty. I got my need for uncertainty met because I never really knew, particularly when I was drinking, what was going to happen next or if I'd get into a gang fight or whether I'd lose my life or, or any of this stuff. So certainty, uncertainty, significance. To quote Tony Robbins, there's three of the six human needs that's met at a very high level. Meet three of the six needs at a high level, you've got an addiction. And that's that's basically, you know, that's that was my story for decades until I flipped all them on its head and said, right, okay, so I've got these addict this, you know, this addiction. How about if I met my needs for certainty, uncertainty, significance, etc.? How about if I met them in a positive way? Tell you what, let me raise thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of pounds for charity. Let me train so hard physically. Let me get academic qualifications. And that's what I did. The problem was the deep-rooted the deep-rooted conditioning from an early age, Dr. Leone, was still with me and I'd still sabotage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know... Thanks for sharing that, Paul, because then that leads me to the next question. I have two things uh, that I want to learn um, from a female perspective, because you hit on some things that's just triggering some emotion for me, too, because, and not in a bad way, in a good way, just in a reflective way of the self-sabotage is one, but the other one is the proving, always doing something to prove ourselves to other worthy of being being who we we're, we are, um, always in the proven mindset of wanting to that validation from others, and so I wanted to learn more about um, like for you, what was it like when it comes to relationships, right? Whether it's a love relationship or just you know relationship with family members and friends, how has trauma impacted your ability to forge, you know? Um, relationships, to form, forge relationship. How has trauma impacted your relationship? It's cost me a hell of a lot over the, over the decades, hell of a lot, because I have been extremely fortunate and blessed um, with the, the long-term relationships I've had with, with, uh, with girls and women. Um, they have been absolutely beautiful souls. They've all been long-term relationships, four to be precise. And... Um, to say I'm grateful for those guiding lights um, is an understatement. Um, they kept me on the straight and narrow, relatively speaking. I'm sure that if it, you know, if it wasn't for for those 
four different journeys um, and they all kind of, well apart from one of them which was three and a half years but the others were 10 years plus um, that has been a um, a guiding light for me but that said there was still that deservedness that was running it was like a virus on in a computer it's laying there and it's laying there and it's laying there then all of a sudden it kicks in and I sabotaged and you know the the uh, the ladies in in question they stood by me and they stood by me but I was determined to push them away because there was that deep-rooted deservedness I'm not worthy of this beautiful soul how dare she give me so much love focus and attention and and refuse to give in when I'm you know I'm going out on wild drinking sprees getting in fights and all this kind of stuff and and still wouldn't give in and say no because I know who you really are underneath they knew who I was I didn't and that was the old irony of it uh, Dr Leone so they you know those um that divine feminine energy as as Wayne Dyer may refer to it has been absolutely beyond description for me in in my world in my life and um yeah I can't ever express enough gratitude for that it's uh, it's beyond words Mm. Thanks for sharing that. And so what advice would you give to women? Because I think for a lot of us as trauma survivors, unfortunately, we do attract men like the ones you just described. And I think often, and I was reflecting on this because I'm working on my, um, my, my, my fourth book, and it's talking about um, this dating horse and the lessons that I've learned as a trauma survivor while dating and understanding that I can't date as everybody else, as a survivor, my brain is just, it's different. And so I want to know what advice would you give to trauma survivors who constantly attract other trauma survivors who are one trauma survivor is healing or has been healed while the other one is not ready to get on that journey i think ultimately if if one party's not ready then they're not ready um and i know this in a in, a, in you know let, let's kind of depersonalize it i suppose in many respects if, if we can if we can take it back into well we can take it in which field we need to dr leone but i was going to say let's take it in a, let's start on the general broad foundation um, around if people are not ready, you know, from my own coaching and mentoring business, I made the mistake, um, when I started out a few years ago of trying to save people, you know, I saw that potential and I saw that similarity. I you know, I was, I was projecting and it's like, okay, I've been there. Yeah. I recognize this, blimey, this is like turning the clock back 20 years or, or whatever. And, and you know what, Th this is the way forward. And then when people didn't want to take that route, because, I mean, you, you, you touched upon it brilliantly earlier on when you said around, you know, people want to stay there. Um, I did it myself. I wanted to remain in victimhood because there was massive significance for it. So I don't make any judgment on, on where anybody else is at. I take that complete ownership of where I was at. And, and I do own that statement completely. Um, other people may or may not be able to relate to it because it's a strong statement. Um, you know, I've had it said to me a few, oh, it's okay for you, Paul, to make big statements like that. Well, actually, no, it's not okay for me because I've 
I've worked my way through that and I've learned that, you know, and it's all about learning. That's why learning is one of my uh, top three values. Um, it's, it's about learning the rules of the game of life um, because life moves on whether we like it or not. And it's not going to stand still because we don't like or understand it or agree with it. So I think from a general perspective, if people are not going to move on, they're not going to move on. And I'll give a case in point, uh, and this relatively recently, I've let go of two long-term relationships um, with so-called close friends that are spanning 30 years or more. And I've let them go because the two respective people decide that life is better living the way that they want to live. Um, and that's fine. I respect that. But not when it drags, when it sort of threatens to drag me back into that, that life as well. Um, so I think it's about, you know, we all have decisions to make. You know, I've made decisions about my own family that I'm moving on. It's who you think I am is not who I am. And therein, I think once we've got that understanding that be true to yourself first and foremost, be true to yourself. And if people really do love and respect you, you know, they'll at least make some effort to dance with you. If they don't, and you know, the response is, well, actually through, through whatever, through conditioning, through stubbornness or through fear, and it's usually the latter or a mixture of the, the three, then... We, we all have decisions to make. And it is as simple as that. Mm. I totally agree with that statement. And I, it is a simple decision, but sometimes a journey. So it's arduous for, for many. And I, I, I come to realize that. And I love the statement about trying to save people earlier on in our coaching careers, where we really almost like there is this urgency <laughs> to infect others with what we've experienced, like the, the awakening that we've experienced. And I've come to realize that, which is why I'm very, very um, targeted. And I, I really try to communicate very clearly who my target population is for my work. It's really for individuals who are literally on the runway of life. And they're looking for someone to give them that push. I have the fuel, right? I have the fuel. But to say that I am called to work with individuals who have no sense of what they, where they're going, what they want to do, because I believe in our soul's wisdom, in the knowing of our knowing, when you sense that dissonance between where you are, how you're living, and there's something deep down that's saying there's more, those are the people I want to work with. And I know there's more, but I don't, I don't know how to bring it forward. You know what I mean? I, I know there's more. I want it, but I'm stuck. And, I, and, and I'll tell you something, Paul. I felt that way this year already. This year, I started feeling, oh, my God, I'm stuck. Why am I stuck? I know what I want to do, but I was feeling a little stuck. And you know what? When you talk about making decisions, I press the stop button. And I just started fasting. That's one of the ways that I get myself unstuck. I just started, I said, you know what? I'm going to go on a fast and I'm going to seek direction from God until I get, and I tell you last night, I was praying and I just felt that breakthrough. 
I felt, I'm feeling so light this morning. I, I mean, but I was feeling a little bit stuck for a few days. Like there was a decision that I needed to make, but I wasn't having peace. And I'm like, Lord, what do I do? So to your point is, is, is going back to the awareness piece is, you know, to be aware, to be aware that, you know what, I'm repeating the same pattern. I'm having the same experience. I remember when I first reached out to my coach for, for support. And I remember having the conversation with her and I said, I was crying. And I said to her, this experience feels so familiar. Why does it feel so familiar? I'm tormented. And she said, because you've been there before. It's like deja vu. So what do you want? What outcome are you wanting now? I said, I don't want this because I know what the outcome is going to look like. So I want to stop. I I need to not go down that route. I need to not have these people in my life. I need to not be eating these things. I need to not be drinking these things. I need to not be thinking this way, right? So that's the awareness. And I remember when I got to the point where it was like, oh, that's actually a superpower called awareness and I can use it, right? And so it's really coming to those, I call them those uh, Jesus moments or, or, or God awakening moment and recognizing that we do have the power of choice. We can make those decisions that says, no, I'm not going to repeat this pattern, right? I'm not going to live this way. There's a better way for me. I don't know what it looks like as yet, but I'm willing to pursue it. And that was what I had to do. Just, you know, press the pause button and say, no, I need some clarity. I need a breakthrough. And I'm going to pursue that for myself. Now, has it been a painful journey being on the fast? Yes, because there are things I want to do. There are things that I, which is normal to me, familiar and comfortable, but I'd rather make the sacrifice and gain the clarity that I'm wanting and then move ahead with confidence that I know that I put the sacrifice in for myself, right? I put the sacrifice in. And so now that I'm on this journey, there's clarity about where I'm going and what I'm to be doing. So that, 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 that was part of my, my, my journey this year already, you know, so um, what, I, what I wanted to, to also ask, and before I get into the last little discussion point with you, um, what is your message to trauma survivors? What is that message that you have for the survivors that's listening to us? Great question. And it's one that for me doesn't require a long, elaborate answer because Hopefully the power are in these very, very few short words, Dr. Leone, that no matter how dark and desperate it seems at this moment in time, life-threateningly so, and I've certainly been there on more than one occasion, you know, just, just remember, day follows night. There's a natural order in the world. You can call it source, you can call it God, you can call it spirituality, but don't ever 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 give up hope have the faith to know that if you reach out love and compassion is there Mm, i totally agree thank you for that that that's that's sound 
that's very sound. And so I want to switch gears a little bit to a little fun topic. I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what makes you smile. What are some of the things that make you smile? What makes me smile? Um, <laughs> wow, that is a that is a flip over to the um, <laughs> yeah. That, that is a quick change of the record. Um, what makes me smile? I think you know every everyday moments in life make me smile. Dr. Leone, I mean, I know we kind of got a bit sort of focused on the, you know, the more challenging aspects of life there. But, you know, even through that conversation, I was smiling because I think once you've got that, that sort of joy in your heart, every, every, you know, there's opportunities to smile all the time. You know, the simple things in life that we over, we just take for granted, like the birds singing and all the sun shining and, and the sound of water and, you know, the health of our family, friends just simple things and I think when you you know you kind of live more in the moment and and embrace those small pleasures you know they're around us every moment of every day so I can't say there's one particular thing other than do you know what the joy of life itself with all its trials and and tribulations it's still a beautiful beautiful life yeah I agree and what's your thank you for that response and what's your favorite thing to eat what do you love to eat that makes you go yeah i had a great meal today <laughs> right this is very humble because i live a very humble simple life uh-huh beans on toast with fried egg <laughs> beans on toast i've never had that before <laughs> wow beans on toast with two fried eggs that is oh. for me the ultimate well one of the ultimate meals so yeah <laughs> oh I've never, I've never had that i'm gonna have to try that beans on toast with fried eggs and me it's just avocado anything with avocado i am so happy i'm an avocado girl and i just it, it just makes my heart sings when i see avocado anywhere on my plate so that's really good and so, um, Paul, I, I really appreciated our time together. And if you have, what's your favorite quote that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? What is that one quote that you want to leave with them? That is a, a beautiful question to end on, Dr. Leone. And when you when you asked me the one about the food there, the beans on toast, when I answered the beans on toast, I was thinking, okay, so uh, you know, this is conditioning. Great example of conditioning. I know where she's going to go next. So she's going to ask me what my favorite TV show is or my favorite music. And, oh, okay. I've a little word with your mind, Paul, because the mind's getting carried away. And she didn't. So, you know, note to self. Uh, or should I sail to the tail? The, the dog's watching and he's not wagging. And so that to, <laughs> to bring that back, Dr. Leone, it's... I do want to finish with a, a reference to a, a record, a piece of music by a magnificent soul, Dame Shirley Bassey. And one record in particular, and I think it sums up this, this, this dance, this conversation between us perfectly when she, when she made that record. And I'd encourage lis, um, listeners to go out on YouTube uh, and listen to it when she sings, This Is My Life. But yeah, that was it. Um, this is my life because I think it's very, very appropriate around, as I say, the conversation we've had. Take that control back. It is your life and your life only. And, you know, decide where you want to take it. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Wonderful. I think that's a great note to end on. So um, in terms of, um, I don't even know if this is an appropriate thing to say, um, Dr. Leone, in terms of, um, you know, taking back power, because you've done the interviewing, which you've done brilliantly. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed the dance. Um, but um, so it remains now for me to express my gratitude for for taking that initiative, for asking such brilliant questions, for setting the tone for the dance. And at this point, we sign off listeners and say that no matter what it is you do in life, always walk your path with heart. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success. <laughs>